Wild Tater, the Food Forest Podcast. I'm Charles Hathaway, and today we're going to talk about the Hinamaki Red Gooseberry, scientific name Ribus uva crispa. Now this is a shrub layer that can thrive in cold hardiness zones 3 through 8, which means it can withstand cold down to about negative 40 degrees Fahrenheit. I will say, as a side note to these cold hardiness zones, remember these are guidelines, these are not perfect representations. I have seen plants grow in areas way below their uh, documented cold hardy zones, and I've seen many plants freeze in climates they should have done fine in. Um, there are a lot of factors that that uh, affect that. So don't take it as, as like, you know, I, it will do well or it will. It, it depends on so many different factors. What this does give you is a an approximation that can help you in designing and and in what you want to order for your for your food forest and so forth. If something is labeled as way above your cold hardiness zone, like if you're in a uh, very cold area and you're wanting to grow bananas, for example, unless you provide some kind of protection or something for them, they're just not going to make it through your winter. They, they will kill all the way to the core. And uh, that is the case with many plants, which is why cold hardiness is uh, so important to at least keep in mind. Anyway, point being, uh, cold hardiness 3 to 8. Some, it, it's funny, sometimes you'll even find on various internet r- sources that... Um, the Hinamaki red gooseberry will survive down to zone 3 and can withstand temperatures down to negative 10 Fahrenheit. And you're like, and, and I'm like, no, but zone 3 is negative 40 Fahrenheit. That's kind of the definition. So I don't know what they're doing there. It could be that that's their average low that they can withstand, something like that. But um, zone 3 generally means that it's not likely ever to go below negative 40 degrees Fahrenheit. At least that's the hope. (laughs) You never know with climate change as it is. Okay, so anyway, also they take soil pH 6.0 through 6.5, or I should say they prefer those. I've seen them growing outside of those ranges, but that's, that's what they're going for. That's what they're aiming for. Their watering needs are low once they're established, but um, and so they're not hard to take care of once they get established, but you will want to water them up front. In addition to that, if you want a lot of fruit, and I have seen these things bear a lot of fruit, then give them extra water during the flowering and especially during the fruiting season. That'll just give them the extra oomph that they need and the size of the fruit can sometimes be affected by how much water they get. So if you want big, lush fruit, then lots of water during fruiting season will help with that. But as far as a food forest, self-sustaining, you know, something that does not require your help once established, um, these are a great way to go because of that. They, they can take some drought. The blooming season for the Hinamaki Red Gooseberry is early spring. 
harvest season is about July. That obviously varies according to both where you are in the world as well as where you put it in the yard. I have heard if you put some in, uh, say, west-facing side of your house and then some on east-facing side of the house, what that will do is the east side will harvest, it will be harvestable later. It'll still be, you know, produced just fine. Maybe not quite as much as the, as the west facing, but it will continue to produce later and, uh, which makes for a longer harvest. In fact, there's probably ways you can play with this with a lot of plants, but, uh, this one, if you plant on the east side, you get a little bit later crop west side you get a little earlier crop which is kind of cool now pollination for fruit hinamakis they don't need anything if you have more fruits i mean that always produces more fruits per plant just because those first flowers that come out that don't get pollinated normally maybe they would if they had a second fruit there or a second plant there i mean but they are self-fruitful. They will produce fruit just fine on their own. Their size of maturity is between 3 and 5 feet tall and wide. So uh, this would make a nice little hedge that uh, you can see over. Um, it's not terribly invasive. It might not keep deer out, but it will keep people out because of these uh, uh, pokies. And you might even be able to keep cats and dogs out with how how uh, spiny these can be. However, just be aware that during fruiting season, if they're getting enough water, they can produce enough fruit to droop down considerably. So if they're normally four feet tall, if your bushes are normally four feet tall, they may droop down to two and a half feet tall, something like that. But they'll still probably be just as wide. You know, they'll still be the four feet wide, whatever. So they still can make a, a decent hedge if you don't mind them being a little bit shorter. And since these can take either full sun all the way down to partial shade, I've even seen these growing in almost full shade where they're only getting a tiny bit of sun per day, maybe a half hour of sun a day. They can grow just fine there. They won't fruit very much in that setting, but they can take uh, I mean, uh, shade like that, which means also that they could be a good I don't know what you call it, a bumper crop? Is that what that's called? Probably not, but <laughs> I'm picturing being a bumper to other uh, growing trees and so forth. If you plant trees and you're kind of wanting to protect the area around them, putting some gooseberries could be a good, you know, one on each side or something, maybe four surrounding them, a couple feet out from each, because as they grow up, they will form this nice, thick, thorny barrier around to protect the base of the tree and um, and produce fruit and then when the tree gets big the uh, gooseberries will continue to thrive in that shade um, maybe not as much fruit again but uh, but they have dual purpose in that sense they're they're a good thorny protective um, plant if they could pick their own habitat I imagine they would choose a moist, slightly acidic soil area with dappled shade and, you know, maybe a good hard morning sun. You know, maybe even half a day of sun um, and then cool in the afternoon shade. 
something like that that's what i would gather uh, and again a little bit moist more moist than dry um, but again they can take a dry season but uh, that's what they would prefer if they had the druthers um, the growth rate of the hinamaki red gooseberry is moderate it's not a terribly slow grower but it's not a it doesn't jolt out every spring and shoot branches in every direction. It's it's just a good moderate grower, but it they grow fair speed, you might say. Their reproductive rate equally is moderate, um, mostly by root rhizomes, which means the roots are kind of stretching out and popping up new plants down below, and they but they also can be. Um, propagated or they you know naturally reproduced by seed uh, such as by falling fruit or even more so probably by birds which will eat the fruit poop out the seed um, in a nice location this is how berries very often are spread however um, the Hinamaki red gooseberry well I should say gooseberries in general anyway um, have a lifespan of 12 to 15 years which for a perennial woody plant is kind of short that's really not very long and so i would encourage people if you're trying to establish a forest garden a, fo a food forest to let at least some of those rhizomial um, root plants the suckers as some people would call it let at least some of those grow because over because while it may take another three or four or five years for that to get to a, a size that is comparable to what you wanted there as a gooseberry. Um, in that time, you know, your gooseberry is, has only got a couple years left on it, the one that you've got. Um, and so if you figure on a good 12 to 15 years per plant, and if you only want one or two gooseberries, then always be letting one sprout just a few years behind the other so that you can have the succession going on. Now, I would encourage, if you've got the space, if you've got the patience and so forth for it, um, go ahead and let any uh, rhizomial bushes come up um, because you could get a really amazing killer crop of these if you have 50 of them or however many you have. I mean... And, and remember that when they're growing up from the ground like that, assuming they are coming from a root rather than a seed, they are clones, but uh, that's okay. That's okay. Um, if you are doing this commercially, as far as I know, Hinamaki Red is not a patented variety, so you can, you know, um, split off those, uh, those growing plants for selling or for, you know, whatever. Um, that's fine. You can do that without worrying about legal ramifications. Now, those kind of legal ramifications, we should have an episode about that because it's kind of interesting, but uh, it basically comes down to if it's a patented variety, that means there's a certain number of years that have not yet expired since the patent was um, obtained by the patent owner. And in that time, you cannot... You, you can propagate them for your own use. Well, you're, you're not technically supposed to do that, um, but there's no reason for a complaint to happen or for there to be any re repercussions unless 
you try to sell these uh, the propagated plants that you have. Basically, you're not likely to run into a problem if you're not selling um, plants that are patented. But I, I mentioned that to say that the Hinamaki Red, as far as I know, is not a patented variety. And we can talk about trademarks sometime too, which is a whole nother um, <laughs> copyright ball of wax or worms or what, can of worms, whatever. <laughs> anyway, gooseberries are in the current family which is Glossularaceae. Glossularaceae. <laughs> That's a hard one. Let me give you the Google um, uh, pronunciation of that. They like to say chi instead of ca or ce, whichever, but here's the Latin pronunciation according to Google. Glossulariaceae. Glossularaceae. <laughs> so that is the family. It is the current family. Which is why you have some things like the Jostaberry, which are a cross between a gooseberry and a currant. Currants tend to be considerably smaller than gooseberries. Um, the thing that's fun about the Hinamaki Red Gooseberry, and there are larger uh, types, but it really does seem remarkably large. These are like the size of store-bought green grapes. If you imagine a green grape a store-bought green grape from your grocery store. They're about that size. They look quite similar with a kind of a pinkish purple blush. Um, they really shouldn't be called red gooseberries because they're more of a, a, a pink-brown kind of a color, almost a burgundy-ish color, but red's simple enough to say, so we go with that. But don't think that they have to be, you know, the color of a of a red delicious apple before you can eat them because they won't get there. They won't get there. Anyway, the uh, Hinamaki Red Gooseberry is a variety from Finland. And if you're not familiar with the flavor of gooseberries, uh, at least these ones, and probably most, are similar to the taste of a kind of a tart grape. And they have a similar texture just a little bit more firmness to them than a grape does, but uh, and maybe that depends on even the type of grape. But uh, they're they're similar to a, a tart grape. It's the skin that has the tartness. They will lose their tartness the riper they are, and uh, when they're fully ripe, they're really not tart at all. They're just sweet. But what you're kind of going for with gooseberries is this little sweet spot that is just before they're ripe just before. Like you'll you'll see them growing up green, 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 and then they'll just start getting this light pinkish red blush. Now at this point you could harvest them and enjoy the the tart sweet fruits, um, but if you wait just a little bit longer, let that red kind of settle maybe halfway over the whole thing, something like that, that's when they're usually at their best or the best experience for eating fresh anyway. You can eat them underripe, you can eat them overripe. They're, they're rather versatile in their timing in terms of safe eating, but in terms of the peak experience, I would give it as right before the whole thing has turned red. Because what happens when they get fully ripe, they get that fully kind of brownish pink color over the whole 
um, berry and then they kind of go limp it, it's almost like they've lost some weight but haven't figured out to, what to do with their extra skin and so they're kind of I, I, I call them soggy I guess you know kind of um, in in shape and texture but the taste is still wonderful so if you're getting them for pies or cooking or something you'll, you'll be just fine still but uh, but if you want that crisp texture with just a touch of the tartness and plenty of the sweetness then I recommend at that kind of just about almost ripe stage having said that it's very popular to pick them a little bit early if you're getting them for pies, jams, and preserves because of that firmness that they will have. Really easy to process that way. And, and with cooking and so forth, it will um, dull down some of the tartness of them a little bit. I, I'm trying to remember if, I, if there was any astringency to them. It seems like there might be a touch while they're very unripe. But uh, not much. I, I don't remember much. There is some tartness, though, uh, which I enjoy personally. My kids enjoy. If I can get them to wait until they turn red, then I'm doing pretty good. But they usually eat them before they get to that point because <laughs> they are tasty. Anyway, um, yeah, so making pies, jams, preserves, anything where you're heating them up, cooking them, it's quite popular to pick them earlier than ripe. A little more description about the plant itself. Um, the gooseberries, you know, like I said, they're very cold tolerant. And they have no problem with high elevations. Gooseberries are naturally a mountain species. Um, even though they are very drought tolerant and and maybe prefer some shade, like the shade of a mountain, so, to, uh, so forth. Um, they can tolerate being just in a wide open, empty field. I do recommend good water if they're going to be there. Um, but it's, you know, basically they have a very wide range of where they will survive. If you're usually having trouble getting berries to grow, I recommend trying a gooseberry because they're pretty hardy. It's not to say you can't kill it. I have killed some, but um, most of them do very well. I've killed a lot of other things considerably more. These are just one that tends to do pretty good if you just get them in the ground water them for a while. And I would also say these have potential as a good uh, hedge species. Now this is not going to be the kind of hedge to keep deer out, but it will keep people out. You know, imagine a three to five foot, you know, ball of, of leaves. You know, you could have a whole line of them, you know, wonderful fruit growing on them. The one thing I will say about that um, is that uh, because they can bear so heavily, that uh, three to five foot um, hedge may droop to a two and a half foot tall, maybe even a two foot tall hedge while they're so full of fruit, it, you know, if they give them enough water and so forth. And so if that's all right with you, then so be it, you know, but Again, it's not going to keep deer out, but I would say about that that uh, you could plant them under a growing tree. Um, maybe a young tree that is, you know, six feet tall or something. You put maybe four of these around it. That will protect the base of the tree because of those thorns that they have. And it will, as the tree gets bigger and eventually shades over them, 
they're gooseberries. They'll do okay in the shade. And if they get just a little bit of sun, they'll still grow their berries. Admittedly, over time, they will reduce their amount of, of uh, berries when they're in shade. But keep in mind, these only live 12 to 15 years. If you're trying to grow a, say, a peach tree that's, that's going to take several years to start fruiting anyway, by the time, you know, you're, you, they're protecting this nice, deep, thick hedge around the base of the tree to keep animals away from the base of, of your um, peach tree, uh, it, they may be getting close to the end of their life by the time you're getting some serious peach crop. Hard to say, you know, it depends on the kind of peaches. <laughs> anyway, there's a, there's a few things you could do with these. They, you know, they, they have a lot of ecological potential as well. I'll briefly mention that uh, there are some medicinal uses for the leaves. I have not looked deeply into it. I recommend that you thoroughly research before attempting to eat the leaves because the leaves do have hydrogen cyanide which is the toxin that is in apple seeds. Um, again, not a severe toxin unless you eat in great quantity, but, uh, but again, thoroughly research before using any of that. But as far as the fruit is concerned, this is a potential staple fruit that can be safely and enjoyingly eaten in quantity. As with any fruit, eat too many in one sitting and you're likely to uh, uh, loosen up inside and, and, and get the runs. That is just the case with any fruit. So uh, keep that in mind. But otherwise, there's no worry of toxicity and, and quantity eating in a pie. Things like that is fabulous. Uh, I highly recommend it. Um, check out our recipes on um, our Pinterest board that you can get to at wildtater.com and click on Forest Garden Recipes. You'll see a gooseberry salsa, gooseberry pie, Come and check it out. And once again, thank you all for listening.